If you don't mind, Mike, I don't mean to get all shrink on you, but can we take you back to your childhood for a second? Is that okay? Absolutely. So, um, if we look at, you know, big-name players in the NFL, you know, because you're an aggressive guy, you're a passionate guy, you know, you're tough as nails, and usually when we see a player like that in the NFL, you know, he's had to be tough and he's had to be strong. So, how was it being Mike Daniels growing up in New Jersey? Did you have to be the tough kid on the block, or were you just born tough? be tough because I got picked on a lot. You know, I would uh, I got made fun of bully, whatever word you want to use quite a bit. So that's actually why I started lifting weights. Yeah. And working out a lot in uh in high school. So I did so I'd be too big for the kids to pick on me and it kinda worked, you know. But um I kinda carry that fire with me even to playing right now. So, you know, it's kinda like I channeled that uh, frustration onto the football field and and that's just become my standard way of playing. Yeah, so that's why you have that aggressive streak. That's why you have that energy is because you always had to defend for yourself when you were a kid. Something like that. Plus, my dad, he's always, uh, he's always made sure that we gave it everything that we had. And if we were going to do something to give it, to, to give it 100%, to be all in and... Um, that, that's, uh, that's another reason why I'm so passionate and why I, I look like I'm just going a million miles an hour every single play. Yeah, because, I've, I've, you know, you're famous here and we've read so many interviews about you and you, you said that you have this hustle, you know, you have this sort of never-ending energy and if you hustle enough that you'll, you'll make gains. Is, did you play like that as a kid too? Absolutely. Yeah, like, like I said, we, I was kind of, my brother and I, we were raised to play that way to, um, you know, be, be relentless, to, to never let up, and to play the game as if it's our last play. Like, we'll never be able to play again. Yeah. Because looking at your high school stats, they're ridiculously impressive, you know, both on the defensive side and the offensive side of the ball. I mean, it says here that you're a running back. You rushed for 2,203 yards. You had 25 touchdowns. Does Eddie Lacy have to worry anytime soon? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that would be classified information. I'll be more than happy to take the ball. <laughs> yeah, the, the new John Goon. So, which which did you prefer, Mike, when you were in high school? Did you, you know, because did you enjoy the defensive side of the ball to really get up in people's faces, or did you like doing a bit of offense and running the ball in for touchdowns? I, I did like being on offense. You know, that, that was the glory position. Everybody knew the running backs and that I uh, that that's that that's where people you people actually paid attention. But defensive line, I've always felt natural there. That's just kind of always felt like my home. Yeah, be able to get after it and tackle guys and you know just get in those trenches. I was a uh, I was a wrestler my whole life, so playing on the line of scrimmage is very similar to that. Yeah. Yeah, because then then you went on to college in Iowa, the Iowa Hawkeyes, and. You know, did you ever have to choose whether you wanted to go offense or defense for the Hawkeyes, or is it more of a sort of thing where you just, you know, you get put somewhere and you have to make it your own? Well, they they actually had saw me as a fullback and thought I would be a, a, a decent fullback, but they felt that my future was at defensive line, and, well, they were right. Yeah. And is that something then, did you have it in your head when you were in college that the NFL is definitely something that you want to do? Or, you know, did you did you give equal time to your studies as if to say, like, 
you know, if it doesn't work out, well, then I have, you know, the academic side to fall back on. Had you fully decided that the NFL was your calling? I did. I knew that the NFL was my calling, but with that being said, I never neglected my, my, my studies. I always made sure that I took care of school because that, that, that's what came first. Yeah. Always has. So, you know, that, that's something that I prided myself in was making sure that I kept good grades. And so if football didn't work out, I would be able to go out and finish my – I did get my degree. Yeah. And if football didn't work out, make sure I'd be able to go out here and help um, myself out in the workforce. And is that hard, Mike, you know, because – you know, the high school game is one thing and, you know, you have your whole town behind you. Then when you go to college, you know, because college ball is, like, almost bigger than NFL. Certainly here, some of the guys I speak to, you know, you think in Ireland and in the UK, they wouldn't know anything about American football, but some of them actually know more about college ball than they do NFL. Is it hard because of the amount of obligations on you and how tough it is and, you know, your weight regimen goes up, you have to put on extra weight, you know, you've got more talented guys. Is it difficult to try balance the two? But I feel as though it, it, it comes down to how bad do you really want it. If you if you want to be great, and you're not going to let anything get in the way of that, you're going to push through no matter how hard college may be. And I feel as though the the harder that you work in college, on the field and in the classroom, the simpler the NFL becomes. If you're you know fortunate enough to play in the NFL. Yeah. I'm saying it'll be easier. I'm saying it'll be simpler, as in you'll know how to work hard. You'll know how to be great. Being challenged, was, it's not going to be a foreign concept to you. So it, I, there's definitely some carryover with that. But, you know, you, you do want to make sure you work extra hard in the classroom and on the field. Yeah, because you think, Mike, that, you know, that helps you in the sense that did, did you realize how much study would have to go into the game when you did make the pro game? You know, because surely you're looking at tape all the time. You're looking at, you know, plays that you need to look out for. You know, you have to cater that to each different team. Like, were you surprised when you did get into the program just how much classroom work was going to be involved? Absolutely. I remember after our first practice, we came in, we had a meeting, and the meeting was us watching film of the, the practice and that was something I've never done before Yeah, was to watch the practice and that, that was something that was new to me right there but because that was, I was so shocked by that I instantly saw how important that film study is if we're sitting here studying ourselves putting on time for ourselves before we even look at an opponent Yeah, and that, that, that right then and there it told me how important my, well, how important my Dales was. Yeah. Both how important it is to know the other team. So, like, before all of that and before you, you got into the pros, of course, you had to go into the combine and you had to get drafted and there was all that sort of business side of stuff. I mean, you seem like a no BS kind of guy. You like to get out onto the field and you like to kick some ass, right? So how did you handle, you know, dealing with the bureaucracy side to go and do all of the interviews? Like Ted Thompson famously said that he was really, really impressed with you. First off, he was trying to look at some Iowa defensive lineman and he spotted, he wasn't even looking for you then, but he spotted you and he said that your energy, you had so much energy. And he said that that was even in the interviews when he interviewed you, you know, that he said you were full of energy and that you were just wholeheartedly impressive. 
uh, were you ready for that side of things of people poking and prodding and trying to find out things and you know and of course the with the combine you had that you were carrying that injury so you know were you disappointed with that was it all a bit of a whirlwind do you remember much from them absolutely that's who uh, you know it's basically one giant job interview yeah and um that's uh that, that's that's how i approached it you guys that had the opportunity to run and jump and go play in the senior bowl which Did you have any idea, Mike, that the Packers were in for you, you know? Or is it just that every team is talking to you, so, you know, if you get drafted, you're going to be just happy with that to come off the board? Or did you have a sign that, the, you know, you were potentially going to go to Green Bay? I had no idea that I was going to go to Green Bay. When I found out that that was the only team that I had a, a sit-down meeting with at the Combine, I, you know, I felt a little, uh, I was a little down because, Looking at my size, I didn't think that I was fit for their uh, the three four defensive scheme. Yeah. So you know, clearly they know better than I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they got me. But yeah, I was a little discouraged at first when I saw that they were the only ones who wanted to talk to me because I said, "Wow, I don't fit in this scheme at all." I don't. <laughs> you know, it's almost like a cruel joke. Yeah. And so when you were drafted, then you know. We all know how big the Packers are, but, were, you know, were they impressive to you and were you excited? Were you sort of scared to have to move up to cold Green Bay where there was nothing to do but play ball? Well, I went to Iowa, and Iowa is very similar to Green Bay. Yeah. So it was actually comforting to come out here because for the the last five years of my football career, I've been in this environment. Yeah. So I was more than happy to come back to an environment very much similar to Iowa. Yeah, so it wasn't too much of a shock for you, but were you shocked then when you got up for your rookie season you were expected to play so much? Was that daunting to actually step out onto the field and think, I have to step up here, this is my rookie season, I have to be the guy? Uh, you know, I came ready to play. I came ready to prove something. And I'm still very much that way, which is, why I play the way I do. You know, I, I have a point to prove. I'm trying to continue, uh, continuously gain respect. Yeah. And that, that's how I stepped, going to, uh, stepped, stepped out here for the Packers. You know, I was ready to show everybody what I was about. And with that mentality, when they throw you on the field, you're, you're more than ready to go. Yeah. You're more than ready to go. There's no rookie jitters. There's none of that. You're, you're ready to hit the ground running which I felt like I did yeah because you seem to be somewhat of a leader uh, you know certainly from some of the quotes in the media you don't back down from what you're saying you don't try to pretend that you're you know you're PC and not aggressive you really go for it and I think one of the famous quotes from last season was is that uh, you're getting tired of being punched around by other teams um, you know that there's not going to be any sensitivity in training that you punch someone in the face if they don't you know step up their game how did your, you know, your defensive teammates take to those comments? Did they mention them to you? And do you still feel the same way every season to go in and say, you better stand up or you'll have me to deal with? 
you have to uh, you have to set a standard, and it starts with me doing it myself. Me never backing down. It starts with me playing as hard as I possibly can, so that I can demand that from my teammates. And then you'll get guys like a Sam Barrington or a Ha Ha Clinton Dick, you know, or a Chris Banjo, who they'll start to demand it out of you as well. You know, those, those are just a couple guys. Uh, Sean Richardson, you know, guys who I know who have definitely stepped up and exemplified the things that I spoke about that yeah. I thought that we needed. And I feel like that's just a, a general attitude that's going throughout the defense. So, you know, no, I didn't punch anybody in the mouth, but our team, we definitely came out and played with a different kind of energy, a different kind of nastiness to us, especially from that um, bye week form. Yeah. Yeah, there was a notable change in the defense, you know, this year. Uh, you know, because of the the injuries and things like that that happened the previous year. I mean, what do you think the change was for you? Was it more energy on the team? Was it the addition of of you know veterans like Julius Peppers? Uh, what what really made the difference on the defense this year that you could step up that extra level? I believe that yes, the addition of guys like Julius has has definitely played a huge part of that. Uh, we we they, we went out free agency last year and they picked up Julius, they picked up the Troy guy. And those are two guys who definitely bring a certain fire that we desperately need on that defensive side of the ball. And Julius, he's a very very quiet man. Really? Well, hear him keep a word sometimes, but when he speaks, it, it holds a lot of weight. And when he speaks, everybody listens. So. We definitely, to bring a guy like that in, who a lot of us watched from middle school, high school, some maybe even elementary school, and to have him telling you what what he demands from you, there, there's no other way to respond to that other than giving everything that you have. Yeah. So do you still, do you think, you know, because the Packers famous, they, they do draft and develop free agency. They usually go on holidays. They don't have a lot to do with it. Do you, you know, do you think it is important to bring in veterans to give that type of experience? And do you think that you personally learn from someone like that? You know, that that's what you need or that's what you like to, to have in the in the locker room? Well, Julius, I definitely learned a lot from him. You know, having him brought in was a brilliant, brilliant move. Because outside of his play, which we already knew he had, he, he brought a lot more to our locker room. And he showed a lot of guys how to be true professionals. He's one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. Really, he, he set an example just by how he goes about his daily business. Then think about a guy like Lestroy Giant, who was going through his seventh year last year. Yeah. And he he's in the weight room every day after practice. He's going to work, he, he practices harder than anybody I've seen on the field. We could be in helmet and he's going 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And when you have guys like that who, who set the tone and give everything that they have, everybody else, they just follow suit. So I do think it was awesome that we brought those two guys in. And I think their presence only made it easier for younger guys to come in and see what's expected. And for some of us uh, uh, guys who are maybe in our third, fourth, or fifth year, to, to see what it means to be successful on a defensive side of the football. Yeah. The type of work that you have to put in, the type of mentality that you need, the all-business mentality, that, that certain bit of nastiness that they both have to them. 
and you can get that free agency, you can get that in the draft. But either way, you just have to find a way to get it. Yeah. And do you think your work ethic has changed since, you know, you were a kid up through the college ranks, up into the program? Do you think you just get more determined every year? And is there a hotter competition so that you have to be more determined every year with new rookies coming in trying to take your place? Absolutely. And that's what I think the beauty of the NFL is. If you don't want it, it'll get taken from you. And that's all to it. If you're not truly all the way in, if you're not a guy who's going to give it everything that he, that he has, then somebody who is giving everything that they have will come and take your job. And it's the great equalizer. And I, I absolutely love it. That aspect of the game is what I think makes, makes it great because it's extremely competitive just to be able to get activated. Well, I'll tell you what, Mike, you seem like you're the perfect guy to have on the Packers. You're motivated, you're passionate, you're tough as nails, and it doesn't look like you're going to be uh, stopping that type of attitude anytime soon. Um, well, we, we put it out on Twitter, and we got everyone excited about you coming on, so can we hit you with some fan questions? Absolutely. So we have uh, Sharon Hunsiger on Twitter. She wants to know, how excited are you for next season? And what I'd like to know is, is, is there anything you want to work on for next season, anything that you have in mind, like a certain goal that you want to reach for next season? Well, my goal every year, and it's never going to change, is that I want to earn respect throughout this league. Continue to earn respect in my locker room. Continue to earn respect with the management, the Green Bay. And that, that, that's my personal goal every year is that earn respect. Yeah, and do, do you think that uh, the Packers are going to step up? Do you think the Super Bowl is realistic for you? In your mind, is are you going to be lifting that trophy come February? I say anything is possible. I'm not ruling anything out. That's what we like to hear as a fan. So, Fraser Henry on Twitter wants to know, who's the most vocal in the Packers locker room? I'm definitely one of them, but... Uh, <laughs> I had no doubt about that. <laughs> I... Randall's not shy. Yeah? <laughs> oh, he, 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 he's about the size of your hand, but he <laughs> makes sure his voice is heard. Yeah. And when he speaks, you know, we, we, everybody, everybody does to listen to him. Because what's the... What's Rand, the Rand, Randall's, Randall's a very, very passionate person when it comes down to this game of football. Yeah. Yeah, because we've seen that in a few players that were re-signed, you know? I mean, it's... Is that these guys could be earning more money elsewhere, but they're sticking in Green Bay to apply their trade because they really see that this team is something and that they're going to win something. So, but Mike, how does it work in the locker room then? You know, like because you're in the defensive unit, do you do all the defensive players stick together? All the offensive players stick together, or do you have friendships across the team? Absolutely. You know, I think from what I hear from guys who've been to other places, they say our locker room is the best they've been in. Yeah. So some of the things that I've hear uh, that that occur in other locker rooms, it just seems so foreign to me at the NFL level because I haven't, and I don't think I'll ever have to see some of the things that these guys have described as occurring in these these other locker rooms. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, it does seem that way, all right, because, you know, with the modern game now, they have the cameras in the locker room, and it always seems like there's more of a team spirit in Green Bay, and I think that's why, you know, we're fans in Ireland and we're fans in the UK, because it just seems like it's more than a team, you know what I mean? It's a family almost. Do you get that sense with the fans as well, that, you know, it seems like more of a family? It's not like just a normal, you know, sporting franchise? Absolutely. You know, we got, we got the best, 
we have the best fan base in all the sports. And the, the way the support we get you know, to be a team that's owned by the people, they, they definitely make their they, – they, they make sure you are welcome in Green Bay. Everybody is very small here. You, you run into a lot of people. We, we feel like we're part of the community. You don't feel like a celebrity. You feel like you are part of Green Bay, and that's what makes this place so special. Yeah, and that's why uh, all of the guys here in the UK and Irish Packers, there's about 70 of us almost. There could be up to over 100 are actually going to go over and watch a game in Green Bay in the coming season, maybe against the Seattle Seahawks in Lambeau. Um, so do you think we'll get a warm welcome when we go over? They will feel more than welcome. Packer fan is a Packer fan. You, you can take people who don't even speak English. They're wearing green and gold. We're speaking the same language. <laughs> so, definitely, you definitely feel welcome in Green Bay. That's and good. That green and gold, you're supporting the Packers. Hey, you are part of the community. That's good to know, Mike, because with being Irish, sometimes I speak too fast, so some people think I'm not speaking English. So at least if they don't understand me, at least they'll welcome me anyway. That's good news. Yeah, they'll love it. <laughs> so that'll actually give them more pride, pride as a fan to know that we have we have a lot of people who love the Packers across the pond. Yeah, that's good. I can't wait to go over. Um, so let's go from a happy note to a slightly sad note. The next question is from Mad Max. Now I'm just going to interject here before this question, and I'm going to say that. Um, you know, a lot of us follow your wife on Instagram and, and Twitter and stuff like that. She's very vocal about her support for you and how much she loves you, of course. And she got a message from a fan who said that he, he isn't even a Packers fan, but he was watching the coverage of the Seattle Green Bay uh, championship game. And he saw you go up at the end of the game after that crush and loss and say to one of the Seahawks players, go get that ring, which shows that even after a huge defeat, you were still gracious you know, you were still able to reach out your hand, even though that must have been particularly hard for you. So Mad Max wants to know, like, how how was it to experience that NFC Championship game on the sidelines? Because, of course, the defense were on the sidelines. You know, I'm, I'm watching the game unfold in certain plays, and then to be out on the field then, and, you know, to concede that touchdown. is is Are you going to remember that forever? You know, would that act as a motivational tool? Freddie Boston also wants to know, it's sort of the same question. Are you going to look at that as a motivational tool for next season, or is it forgive and forget? How, how was that experience for you? Like I said, I'm I'm looking to gain respect no matter what the circumstances are every year. Yeah. Whether we go and win the Super Bowl, whether we lose the Super Bowl by by uh, you know by a touchdown, whether we lose an NFC Championship, whether we don't make it to the playoffs, I'm coming with the same fire no matter what. I feel as though it would be foolish to take an incident and say, wow, we lost. Boy, now I'm going to get serious. That's not me. Yeah, I'm motivated no matter what because I'm blessed to be able to play this game. I'm going to make sure I give it everything I have. So I'm going to be the same me no matter what the circumstances are from the previous year. Well, using that fire, Mike, Cal McCabe wants to know, because we all know you're an outspoken guy, you're an aggressive guy, you don't hold back. I don't know if this is how you know you work or how you set yourself a target, but Cal McKay wants to know, do you have you know, someone who you want to sack most in 2015 or do you just want to get after every quarterback? I definitely want to get after every quarterback. There's no... Uh, nobody is more special than them. 
<laughs> or more unlucky than the next Mike. There's a guy who controls the offense that wants to beat my team. And that's all that matters. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> I'd say uh, Jay Cutler and Matt Stafford can relax. They're not on the top of your list. Well, I suppose they are with everybody else. But... Uh, they, they, they shouldn't relax either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom Coles wants to know, so you see the guys in practice, you see the guys' personalities. Who do you think is going to be a one to watch next season for the Packers? Who do you think is going to have a breakout season next season? Sam Barrington. Yeah. Like, if I play linebacker, I think I'd be him. <laughs> uh, I really like that guy. You know, that's somebody I like to watch. Um, ha Ha Clinton Dix, he's definitely got a lot of good development with him. You know, you see week one to uh, the NFC Championship game. Yeah. You know, two different guys. And he was a good guy when he first started. So, these <laughs> guys who take this thing all in. And those are two guys that come off the top of my head. Well, I'll tell you what, we, we interviewed uh, Sam Barrington as well for the podcast and for the site. And you know what, he, he reminds me an awful lot of you. He's got that passion, he's got that fire, you know. And it's just, he got fined a couple times last season, which is almost great to see because he just can't contain himself sometimes. And when he hits, he hits hard. Yeah, um, Sam is not going to be restrained. He's your typical tough guy, middle linebacker. And I welcome every last bit of it. Yeah. I do. <laughs> so so do we, Mike. So do we. Um, so Mitts are wonderful wants to know, and we sort of touched on it earlier because you said that, you know, you focus on your academic side of things. What would you be doing, Mike, if you weren't playing in the NFL? And maybe to tack on to that question as well, is that after your successful Hall of Fame career in the NFL, what do you want to do after? I would love to get and start working in the community. You know, I, I want to give back. I want to work with a lot of the youth. Because yeah. I feel as though that, um, you know, being an ex-football player, a lot, a lot of kids would naturally gravitate towards me and appreciate things I have to say. Yeah. And I genuinely want to help them. You know, our, our youth is our, they're, they're the future. Yeah. And I, I want to be able to be a leader in my community by helping them out and teaching them the things that I've learned in my experience of going to college and playing in the NFL. Yeah, because I'm right in saying, Mike, that you did a sociology degree, so your heart seems always to be set, you know, on sort of serving the community in that way. Absolutely. So, next one is by May Dad, and he sort of, he answers, it's kind of a weird question. He says, steak or fish, how do you prepare them? But let me tack on to that as well. You're a big guy, Mike. I mean, what's the diet and what's the workout regimen that you have to do every day to make Clay Matthews jealous of your arms? I try to make sure I eat every three hours to keep my metabolism going. That kind of chops down the body fat. Yeah. I drink nothing but water every now and then. I might cheat, you know, but um, drink nothing but water and eat clean. The less legs an animal has, the better. Chicken, turkey, fish don't even have legs. So... <laughs> You know, they got to be good for you. The lean meat, the white meat, fruits, vegetables, all that stuff. Yeah. And, Mike, in a game as physical as the NFL, you know, how do you how do you stave off injury? Is that strength and conditioning training, or are you always in fear that, you know, something could happen where you might pick up an injury, especially with, 
you know, the history with the shoulder, is that completely healed now? Or do you ever have to fret about that type of thing? Or is it all just the work that you do in the weights room that will stand to you? That diet I just mentioned? Yeah. That's one of the biggest parts about is eating clean. Then, obviously, training hard and making sure my body is built for this. You know, the harder that you go in practice, the harder that you work in practice, the, it is going to help you stay a little more durable because your body used to going at, your body used to being pushed to its limits. Yeah. If you hold back, then when you finally go on the field and try to get everything that you have, you might blow a gas. Yeah. Well, Mike, a bit of a lighter question for you, and the last one that we have from the fans here is is from uh, Joan Coster, a Packers fan, and she's obviously not thinking about the Packers team because she follows your wife Heaven on Instagram, and she's convinced she's one of the most beautiful women she's ever seen. So she wants to know, how did you two guys meet? Because you're a tough guy on the field, you're a tough guy on this phone. I wouldn't like to fight you, Mike. I wouldn't like to stand in front of you on a football field, but you seem like a hopeless romantic when it comes to Heaven. How did you? How did you guys meet? I used to work at a, uh, a neighborhood center down in um, down down in, out there in Iowa. Yeah. And she, her, her younger sister was one of the kids I used to work with, and who's now, uh, you know, she's coaching uh, track and field now at the college level. Her sister is, and that that's kind of how we met. You know, we used to uh, see each other every now and then, and uh, her sister introduced us to each other, and that was all she wrote. Nice, and now you've got a, a beautiful wife, a beautiful family, and um, it's great to see on Instagram. I think she's the, she's a bigger Packer fan than we are, and that's saying something, because some of the lads have Packer tattoos, so <laughs> she'll always be there to support you, anyway, Mike. Absolutely. Well, that's all for the fan questions, Mike. It's been incredible to be able to talk to, to one of my heroes. I was talking to one of the guys, Dave Pionzi, his name, he writes all of our Packers pieces, he was an American that moved over to England, so he's got the best of both worlds, and you are his absolute hero. So, thanks very much for giving us the time. No problem, no problem. Glad you guys are 